0: It's the Speeway Show An idea exchange empowering us to live well, live fully, and love deeply And now, here's our host, Speeway travel tips today uh, if you oh by the way if you missed the first show i encourage you to go listen to it because in that show i talk all about frequent flyer numbers and why it's good to have them and all of the perks that you will get if you have a frequent flyer number i highly recommend it and um, so that is my uh, first bit of advice the other thing we talked about in that particular show was things about baggage um, uh, managing your uh, check in process, why you should um, check in with uh, check in online, why you should um, uh, do it early, how you can set up your preferences so you can get the seat that you want that sort of thing so today we're going to continue our conversation. And we're going to start with talking about baggage. I talked a little bit about baggage, and I want to talk about it some more today. And here is the deal with baggage. You're going to want, and I said in the first show, and I'll say it again, 95% of the success of your trip happens before you ever get on the plane. So we still haven't gotten on the plane yet because last week, uh, last, last show, we talked about frequent flyer numbers and all kinds of stuff that you can do before you ever get on the plane. We're still not on the plane yet. Understand the cost of baggage fees. Different airlines charge different fees, so just because you're on one airline doesn't mean you can assume that the same prices and the same terms apply for the next airline. But, the reason you need to understand this is because you may have to pay a regular charge of let's say $50 per bag that you check in. All this factors into your budgeting for your flight and how much is going to cost and how much you have to set aside, right? So, if you're if you're flying, let's say you're flying with your family and you have a family of 4 and each of you has a piece of luggage that you have to check in, that is going to be $200 just for the baggage right that makes a difference to your budget so understand what the baggage fees are the other thing that you need to know is if you've got more than a certain number of bags what is it going to cost you so for example i discovered this the hard way i was going to london for two months and because i was going to london for two months i needed a lot more baggage than usual in fact. Uh, if I still have it, I will post the picture on the um, on the SpeedwayShow.com or on Speedway.com, so you can see all the luggage I had to take with me. But what I did not realize was that, and and I was feeling pretty groovy, right? Because I have uh, uh, at the time I think I had you know like Silver Elite um, frequent flyer status, and it entitled me to two free bags. So I'm thinking to myself, well, I've got four bags to check in. How much more can that be? That's going to be $50 a bag for my two additional items. Well, it wasn't. And I don't know if it was because, I still don't know if it was because it was an international flight or if it was because I was one person and I had four pieces of luggage. But do you know that my two extra bags cost $570? Wow! Wow! Indeed, I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. I looked at the guy and I was like, did you say $570? And he's like, yes. How much would you, uh, do you want to take the, the bags or not? And I'm like, okay, but two of them are free. And he says, that's right. The, this 570 is for these two bags. And he was dead serious. So I had to uh, fork over 570 bucks for my two extra bags. So when I came back from London, what I did was I, I was coming back for spring break because the company allowed me to come back uh, this one time, and uh, I had already committed to taking my kids to spring break for the week, so I had to come back anyway. When I came back, I bought two pieces of luggage with me, so they were free. Then when I went back to London, I didn't take any check-in luggage, so that when I came back the second time, um, the last time, on my trip from London, I brought the remaining two bags, so I didn't have to incur the charge, uh, the two additional pints. And, you know, there really wasn't a way to avoid it, because I it would have probably cost me as much to FedEx the bags, and then I'd have had to figure out, you know, where's the FedEx, and how do I get them shipped, and, you know, maybe I send them to the office, but then now i got to lug them from the office uh, all the way to the um, flat. So, you know, couldn't be helped, but Um, And the good thing was I at least learned about it on the company dime because the company was sending me, but, boy, I'd have been in a world of hurt if I had had to fork over that money myself. So understand baggage handling fees and understand the check-in policies ahead of time. For example, in the U.S., you can take two bags on the plane, um, but if one of them is a roller bag, and the other one is a purse, then you're good. If two of them are roller bags, you might have to check that second bag in, even if uh, they are only two bags. So I thought I was being clever one day. I put my purse in my my, uh, carry-on bag, and so I had my little carry-on suitcase, and then I had my... Uh, computer bag with me and I tried to get them both on the plane and I was told when I got to, I think I got to Atlanta, that I couldn't take both of them on because one has to be a piece of hand luggage. So this is why when you see, you know, men who travel a lot and they don't want to check in luggage, what they will do is they'll take the computer bag and the other bag is going to be a garment bag, the great big Garment bags where you can put it folds in half, you put your suit in there, and you sling it over your shoulder because that is, uh, you can take that on as carry-on, and they don't make you check that in. So be careful about understanding what the rules are. And then if you're making an international flight, the rules about what you can check in and what you can take on as carry-on may also differ depending on the airline. So that is one thing that you want to make sure you understand and plan accordingly. So pack accordingly. The other place where you will get dinged is on the weight of your luggage. And if your luggage is overweight, and it makes a lot of sense, right, because the reason they do that is, I don't know if this is the primary reason, but I know the one reason they do it is for the safety and the health of the baggage handlers because somebody, however heavy your luggage is, somebody's got to pick up that piece of luggage and load it onto the conveyor belt, load it onto the plane, take it off. And so what they try to do is they try to maintain the health and the safety of the workers who are actually having to handle your luggage. Now, you might think, well, what's the big deal if it's a pound over? You know, um, if 50 pounds is the maximum, for example, and my bag is 53 pounds What is the big deal? That's just three more pounds. It's a big deal because that's just your piece of luggage. Imagine if every single piece of luggage all that day for somebody who's working an eight-hour shift is three pounds over. That could mean the difference between hurting their back and not hurting their back, right? So on the one hand, you want to make sure your luggage is appropriately weighted because it's considerate of the people at the airport. But the other reason you want to do it is because it's it's going to cost you if it's overweight. So, you don't want your luggage to be overweight. You may have to shift some things, you may have to move some things around. Typically, as a rule of thumb, the smaller the luggage, the less likely you're going to be overweight. So, if you've got those carry-on bits of hand luggage, you're 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 going to have to try I mean, you're going to have to put sculptures in one of those to get it over 50 pounds because you just can't stuff enough clothes and hair dryers and, and shavers in one of those to get to 50 pounds. But if you have to carry one of the large pieces of luggage, that's when you have to be careful. So weigh it ahead of time at home before you get to the airport. Make sure it's within limit because potentially the cost, even if it's a little bit overweight, is going to be potentially really, really high. Along with, as long as we're talking about luggage, personally, I don't like to check in luggage if I can possibly avoid it. Why? Because if you remember in the first show, we talked about all the the ways that you could shave on the time by checking in online on your smartphone. Well, even if you check in on your smartphone, if you have to check in a piece of luggage, you still have to go through the line to hand in your baggage. Whereas if you check in online... You can skip that line altogether and you go straight to security. That's one reason I don't like to check in my luggage. The other reason I don't like to check in my luggage is because my my preference is I want to get to the I want to get to my destination and I want to go. And being able to go may mean you don't have to stand in a really really long line for the taxis if everybody else is still waiting at baggage claim, or at least the line that you have to stand in is shorter because it doesn't have all the people who just got off your plane. Who are still waiting over to clean their baggage. The other reason is as you know, sometimes the baggage gets lost and it might never get there. If you check if you don't check it in and it's with you, you'll always have it. Um the other the other nifty thing is if you have a piece of carry on luggage and you don't check it in and the plane is too small, as sometimes they are, to handle the size of your check in, you give it to you. You, you give it to the, the the folks who handle the baggage at the side of the plane, as opposed to checking it in with baggage, uh, checking it in with your baggage claim service. And if you hand it in on the side, sometimes when you get off the plane, you don't have to go to baggage claim to get it. Sometimes it will be offloaded right at the plane side for you, so that you don't have to go and wait at baggage claim. Um, so that's one advantage. The other advantage, and I think people used to do this to game the system, but I never had to do it because I was always able to either take my hand luggage on or I was able to um of uh to check it, check in a bag for free. But the other thing is, you know, you may be able to avoid the additional baggage check in charge if you don't check it in and you take it with you onto the plane. Now. If you don't want to check in your luggage, then you have to remember the 311 rule. Um, and it goes like this. And if you've traveled lately, particularly since uh, September 11, 2001, you will know this rule quite well. No container can be larger than 3.4 ounces by volume when you are transporting gels and liquids. What that means is you can't take your. Um, Six ounce bottle of lotion and your uh, six ounce um, bottle of deodorant or perfume or whatever it is. You have to get the little travel size packs. So you got to get the little travel size toothpaste, the little travel size, um, um, what else? Uh, shaving uh, cream, all of the the tiny stuff. You can get those typically at drugstores. Uh, in the U.S., you can get it from the CVS Pharmacy or Walgreens. You can get them from Walmart. You can get them from Target. You can get them from, you know, department stores or, you know, general stores. will often have travel-sized stuff. The other thing that you might want to do is you can buy empty travel-sized containers with uh, labels that you can stick on them. So you can stick on a label for your mouthwash, a label for your um, whatever you use on your face. If you are going uh, on an international flight, my advice is don't assume that the hotels will provide lotion because some of them don't. So you will want to take your travel-size lotion with you. So that is the three-ounce rule. Um, so I said three-one-one, right? So that's the three part. All of the individual containers must fit in a single, clear, plastic, zip-top bag. That's, that's one of the one rules so 3 ounces and no more um one single clear plastic bag so all of your little travel sized gel stuff has to fit in the one bag and the the second part of the one is there's only one single 1 quart bag per passenger allowed so you can't put you can't take 3 of your little zip top bags you can only take one so that is the 311 rule uh, 3.4 ounces, uh, one uh, one clear zip-top bag, and one bag per passenger. Sometimes at the airport, if you forget about the zip-top bag, they will have them there for you. It's just a nuisance because now you've got to, you know, get out of the line and, and find all... The places where you've got your toothpaste and un- unzip your suitcase and put them all in. So, best to do it when you're at home. And that way you can kind of prioritize and you can shift things around and make sure it fits. My next suggestion, and this is before you've ever left the house, have a standard packing list for you and your family. Uh, if you would like an example of a packing list, send me an email. Speedway at spiwe at speedway dot com s p i w e at s p i w e dot com and I will send you a copy of my typical packing list. I have developed this packing list over um many trips where I forgot that one thing, and you know it was just an annoyance because that one thing might have been really, really important. Oh, I forgot my toothpaste, not such a big deal I can get toothpaste, but it's a nuisance uh i forgot my toothbrush Shucks. uh i can you know most hotels will have uh things like toothbrushes toothpaste for you but you know if you happen to like your toothbrush i use an electric toothbrush uh they're not going to give you one of those and so um you know forgetting that one thing is an annoyance or there was one time I was traveling and i forgot the power cord for my um macbook air oh I was in pain. I was in hurt because I use it a lot. So not to have a charger for it really was bad. So this is why I have now developed my packing list. The other reason a packing list is good is because if you're packing in a hurry, it makes sure that you check everything off the list so you don't forget anything. So all kinds of really good reasons why your packing list is a really good tool to have. And every time you go, as you fly, as you forget something, come back and put it on your packing list. That way you won't forget it the second time. One day, I actually forgot my passport. I was flying to, I was going to Mexico on business with a group of other people. And we flew into San Diego and then we drove across the border, having forgotten that we were driving across the border and not having really considered too much the fact that Mexico is a whole different country. I discover when we're on the truck to the the border patrol that I don't have my passport. And uh, there was nothing to do but pray. Hey, Papa, I called him Papa. Hey, Papa, I forgot my passport. I guess you knew I forgot my passport, but I'm just realizing it. But I'm not going to panic because, you know, you're here, and I really need you to get me through the border patrol. So we get there, and I, you know, go to the guy at the, a customs official, and I explained to him that, you know, gee, shucks, I forgot my passport, and I stood there and smiled. And um, he looked at me, and he huffed and he puffed, you forgot your passport. And we had a security guy with us, so the security guy's like, ah, yes, yes, you know, she travels with sniffs, she's been to Mexico before, Um, minor, you know, problem, can we get, you know, here's her driver's license, Uh, can we get the paperwork that we need to get, just fill it out. And he huffed and puffed and he huffed and puffed, but in the end, he let me in. And, uh, you know, thank you, Papa, off I went. But it is not a good thing to forget your passport because if I've been going to any other country, um, under any other circumstances, I am sure I wouldn't have even left the airport. So uh, these are all the things that you have to remember. And by the way, if you're traveling out of the country, especially if you don't do it very often, make sure that you check the expiration date for your passport because most Countries will want you not to just have a valid passport, but they want you to have it valid for like the next six months um, after the date of your particular travel because they want to make sure that if anything happens, you still have a valid passport to return home. And uh, as you can imagine, I discovered that the hard way too because I took my kids and we were supposed to go to Zimbabwe and I did not notice that um, one of the passports, for one of my daughters had expired. Woe was me; we couldn't go that day, so we had to get uh, we had to get an emergency under emergency circumstances. If you present your um, airline ticket at the passport agency, and I can only speak for the U.S. I don't know how this works in other countries, but you can get a, a, a new passport renewed within a matter of days. So we were able to get a passport within 24 hours, and off we went. But boy stressful and it really kind of um, uh, made us have to move some things around, which was unfortunate. So that is what I can tell you about the passport. Now, um, as I said, have your list of things that you're going to take with you, and we are actually going to go through that list of things that you want to make sure that you pack one of the things that I want you to consider is um, language. Language is a factor to consider when you're traveling outside the country because if you're going to a non-English speaking country, do not assume, unless you know this for a fact, do not assume that everybody there is going to speak English as well as they would need to in order for you to be able to get around. I'll give you an example. When I go to France, for example, most of the hotel staff, in fact, everybody in the hotel that I've ever worked with in France speaks English, no problem. However, not all of the taxi drivers speak English. So when I get into a cab, now now I took French for four years in high school. And I can I can speak enough French to order food, to find my way if I'm lost, to tell the cabbie where I need to go. Um, I can I can speak you know basic French to get around and do some things, so it's okay. But I've had to use it, and sometimes you know I get into the I get into the cab and I say uh, parlez-vous anglais, and the cabby says no, je ne parle pas anglais, and he might say to me parlez-vous français. And I'll say, « Oui, je parle un peu de français. Je veux aller à... » And then I'll tell them where I want to go. In Brazil, sometimes the hotel staff don't even speak a lot of English. And they might have that one person who speaks English, but they speak English about as well as you speak Portuguese, right? So they can say please and thank you. And when you start talking, they just start shaking their heads. So it's important to understand what the language requirements are and whether you need to know uh, a certain number of uh, phrases before you go. Personally, my advice is know some basic things in the local language before you go because it's going to be helpful. You might need it and you might at least have to point and say some things to get people to understand what you need. Um, The other reason is, you know, I find with the exception of perhaps the French, (laughs) that a lot of other people in a lot of other countries actually do appreciate it if you are trying to speak their language because it says, I respect your local language, I respect your local culture, and I'm going to do what I can to try and um, uh, fit in even if just a little bit. And um, I'm going to demonstrate my respect by trying, uh, at least trying, to say some things in your language. And they'll typically smile and, you know, they sort of give you that patronizing look. Ah, isn't that nice? And um, they will be kind of nice to you. So that is a a note about local language. And um, so make sure you understand what you need to know about the local language. Also, understand the traffic patterns and be clear about security considerations at your destination. For example, there are some countries where commercial taxi drivers are known to text or notify their co-conspirators to ambush and rob you when they drop you off at your destination in countries like that you're always better off having a friend pick you up or hiring a well-established, well-known, well-vetted commercial car service. If you're traveling for your company, they might have, um, like my company has a security division that does nothing but monitor the security conditions in all of the countries that we travel to. and uh that's actually a very useful thing because we have some divisions in my company that travel to high risk locations and so uh and and in those locations they use you know bodyguards armored cars the whole bit and so um it is if you if you have such a service use it because if you sign up and they know that you're going to a particular country they might be able to give you uh information that's going on that might affect your travel during the week that you're going to be there For example, if you're going to London, you're going to Brazil, there's going to be a strike. Um, So, for example, there was one time where, and I don't think this happened one time, but I just happened to know about it, but the um, public transportation workers in Brazil went on strike. If you've ever traveled to Brazil, you know what a big deal that is, because the traffic on a normal day is absolutely terrible, so much so that, Brazil is reputed to have more helicopter pads than any other country because there's so many people who end up, uh, seems to me like there's so many wealthy people, who end up traveling by helicopter to avoid the traffic. So if the Brazilian public transportation workers go on strike, then you know that traffic that's normally bad is even worse. And that means it might not take you two hours to get to the airport. It might take you four. So you have to factor that in. Uh, Sometimes there are strikes where, say, in parts of Europe, there are strikes against the austerity measures. And what that might mean is that not only might it take you longer to get to the airport, but you might need to take a different route to avoid the strike because there might be security concerns with that. So all of these things are things to know about security. In my organization, we actually have a policy in one of our countries where we say, thou shalt never, ever, ever hire a commercial cab. You don't get into a commercial cab at the airport when you arrive. You always have to book the car service. And, you know, that might sound kind of elitist and it might sound like, oh, my goodness, you all think you're so important. But the reason we have that policy is because there was a time when one of our uh, local employees was flying in to uh, back home from a business trip. She didn't feel like waiting for the car service. She got a commercial car service. And as soon as she stepped out of the the taxi at her home, there was a guy who was waiting there, and he mugged her. And the way that he did it, Uh, made it clear that he knew what technology she had on her because he went specifically for it. He knew where to find it, whether it was in her back pocket or in her purse. And so we always suspected that he was tipped off by the guy who dropped her, who picked her up in the cab. So this is why in some places it's really important to understand what the security concerns are. There are some countries where you will be told, um, if you're driving at night, do not ever stop at a traffic light. You run all the traffic lights after a certain hour because if you stop at the traffic light, uh you might be at risk for people jumping out of the bushes and coming and, and, and carjacking you. So these are and, and in some countries I have been told, uh if you're when you're coming here, do not wear jewelry. So leave your bling bling, watch at home. Uh leave your bling bling, yeah, but it's cheap. I I don't care if it's cheap. If it looks expensive, leave it at home. Do not wear expensive jewelry, especially since you're already going to look like a tourist. Um, If you need to take pictures with your camera, keep it hidden until the moment you want to take the picture, take it out, take the picture, put it back. So these are some of the things that happen in different countries, or you might be told uh, in some countries that they have a lot of pickpockets. So when you travel to that country, don't take, you know, your great big, you know, I don't really need all the stuff in this bag kind of bag. you need to take just um, a a pocket change purse and you put it underneath your coat, you strap it around you uh, underneath your coat so that nobody can happen by and pick it up, and um, you take as little as possible with you when you're walking around the streets so that you're not making yourself a target. So these are some of the security concerns that you have to be concerned about, and they differ, as you can tell from what I'm telling you. They differ a lot by country. So... Be aware of security issues, language issues, and that takes us to the end of our show today. This is BYU saying thank you for joining me on the show, and uh, check out all the other travel shows because uh, next show we're going to be talking about some of the really cool stuff that you should take with you when you travel, particularly on international flights. So go in peace and travel safely. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on The Speedway Show. Visit thespeedwayshow.com for content and other episodes. Join the fan page at facebook.com slash thespeedwayshow. And follow Speedway on Twitter at the handle thespeedwayshow. Until next week, live well, live fully, and love deeply.